The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 13 with me. And uh, it's one of those passages that we might read and wonder, well, what does this have to do with us today? It's the account where after Abraham had come back from Egypt where he had fled during the famine, that it just kind of counts, uh, recounts the, the fact of where he would settle in a land and where his nephew would settle, his nephew Lot would settle in a land. And then in the beginning of chapter 14, we read of some story of battle that most of these people's names we can't even pronounce, but it's there. But I'm reminded as what Paul reminded us in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, when he spoke of those things that were written in the past, he said this, for whatever was in the former days that was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might find hope. How many of us understand that every word in this book was inspired by God? Inspired without error in its original writings, that it applies to our life and we are called to be obedient to it. Well, this is one of those passages that we can find some principles that relate to us as Christ followers of how to live our life. And that distinction is, is are we living our life by faith, faith in God, faith in what His Word says, faith in His promises, or are we living the Christian life by sight? There's a simple comparison here because to live our life by faith means that we take every word that God says in His Word to be from God, and we believe that God is faithful in that these words come from Him, and if He says it, it's amen. Can I hear an amen to that? that God is faithful and you and I can trust God in every circumstances, every decision in life, even though by sight it may seem foolish at times to act in faith and express our life in Christ in faith, holding on to what God's Word says. The opposite there is to, to live by sight means that you and I might be governed even though we've been born again and we have the Spirit of God in us. We have the Word of God to give us principle, but somehow or another, we tend to think, and I'm including myself in that, that oftentimes, most of the time, if I'm quite honest with you, most of the time I can live my life by sight, by my own human reasoning, by what feels good to me, what seems right to me, rather than living my life by faith. Now, I have to be honest with you. Most of the time, maybe not most of the time, but a good majority of my life, I tend to live my life by sight. How many of you are with me in that? You know, the little things in life where I say, you know, I've been down this road before and I've figured it out. I can rely on my reasoning and say, well, this is the decision that I made the last time and it worked and I lived my life in a very pragmatic way by sight, oftentimes never inquiring of God, even in those little things in life where we have been before. Does everybody relate to that? 
Now, the challenge for us really is to, is to in some way live this life, living by faith and living by sight in a, in a synchronistic way. In other words, operating above because God has given us wisdom through His Word. God has given us principles that we might live by, and it's easy to just fall into those, but to also live by faith and say, God, how do I live my life out in this way? Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, For we, speaking of believers, walk by faith and not by sight. Let me ask you a quick question, and think about this. Nobody answer out loud, but here's a question. How many times a day do we walk by sight rather than by faith? And I'm speaking primarily of many of those things that just kind of become rote in life. And we live by sight rather than living by faith in God. Let me read the text for you beginning in verse 1 of chapter 13. And then I'm just going to summate chapter 14 because we're going to cover all this this morning and just look at some basic principles in this. Verse 1 says, So Abram went out from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him to Negev. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he journeyed on there to the the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. I want you to underline that. There Abraham called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling there together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And at that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Parasites and the Ittites, all the other ites, they were dwelling there in the land. Now, if you were to look on a map, you'd realize this is not a very large piece of land. As a matter of fact, it's only about 250 miles from north to south and, and not much more than about 75 miles in breadth. And so Abraham and Lot had both acquired a lot of livestock and also servants that would work that livestock. And there in the land were all these other peoples as well. They're there on the eastern side, excuse me, the western side of the Jordan River, if you can geographically look at that. So it's not a very large space. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between me and you. And between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered. Everything like the garden of the Lord like the land in Egypt, the direction of Zor. This was before God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all of the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked 
great sinners against the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that one can count the dust of the earth. Your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which is at Harbin. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Now, chapter 14 continues in this that some 13 or 14 years later... There were those kings, and, and, and the Bible refers to them as kings. Actually, you, you might really want to look at them more as warlords. They, they were kings, but they had a very small kingdom to rule. And it was very customary in that land and in that day that many of these kings, these, these, um, these warlords, if you will, had territory. And in order to protect their territory and their resources from other tribes or kingdoms in the area, they would often ally together as a means of protection. And so the story goes on that those kings that were in the north broke their peace with the kings in the south. And rather than living in in covenant with them, they came down and they invaded these kings, these kingdoms to the south. One of those kingdoms happened to be the city of Sodom, where Sodom and Gomorrah are. And all of the men came in and they defeated this southern ally uh, alliance of kingdoms and they took all of their spoils. And then it tells us in verse 12 of chapter 14 that they also took Lot. Now, Lot is Abraham's nephew. They took Lot, the son of Abraham's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom and all of his possessions and went their way. Then one who had escaped came and they told Abram, the Hebrew who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and Aner, these were the allies of Abram. And when Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men born in his house, 318 of them, and went in pursuit as far as Dan, underline that number, 318. And he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and he defeated them, pursued them to Habor, north of Damascus. Then he brought back all the possessions and also brought back his kinsman Lot with his possession and the women and the people. Father, we pray that, Lord, the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts this morning, God, as we briefly look at these, these marks in our lives, Lord, of how we can either choose to live by sight on our own account, in our own wisdom, in our own minds, or, God, that we would live by faith, trusting you and believing you and saying, Lord, that all of your yeses are amen and amen. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want to look at this morning are are what I call four marks of walking by sight. Now, I want to take the walking by sight first because most of us probably have a tendency to walk more by sight than we do by faith. And so we might relate to it more. But here are four marks that I see in Lot's life where in this particular instance and other instances in Lot's life that he was living by sight and not by faith. The first one is this, 
that as, as he comes there to the land and Abraham makes the proposal to him, you look, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. And it says that Abraham looked up and he saw that the Jordan Valley was rich would be a way to, ch- to, to translate that. Number one is this, that Lot chose the land by what he could see. You see, it never occurred to Lot as Abraham offered him, whichever direction you want to go in, I'll go in the other direction. It never occurred to Lot, how can we settle this matter where our herdsmen are quarreling and to keep it coming from coming between us, it never occurred to Lot, how can I settle this in an equitable and fair way? We might say that Lot looked up and Lot saw the rich valley and he knew that he had all of these animals that he had to feed, that he had to graze. And in Lot's mind, he's saying, well, if I'm giving the option, I'm not going to say, no, let me take the check. He's saying, that's what looks good to me and that's what looks good where I can most advantage in the situation. Let me put you in a similar situation. Now, here we're talking about land and great matters of wealth. Have you ever stood in the dessert line and you realize there's only one piece of that lemon meringue pie left and you and the person next to you want it? And you're hoping that they yield to you. And if they yield to you, you're going to say, oh, no, oh, thank you, <laughs> right? I'll take that lemon meringue pie. Now, we're, there we're just talking about lemon meringue pie. And if you ever stood next to a dessert table with Sandy Vincent, you understand exactly what I'm saying this morning. And here we're talking about land, great matters of wealth. And Lot didn't give a second I didn't give a second thought to the fact that Abram, being his uncle by rights, had the first choice of which land he was going to take his herds to graze by. He chose what appealed to him rather than what would have been the right thing to do. Let me ask a question. How many times do we make major decisions in our lives thinking, what is it that's going to benefit me the most? And to heck with everybody else, right? That we look at it and we say, well, this looks good to me. Now, that worked out for the moment in Lot's life. But as we're going to see in chapter 18 and 19, it didn't work out so well in the long term. Number two is this, a way that we might See if we're walking by sight rather than by faith. He chose to be near the world. Look at what he says in verse 13. Verse 12, it says, Abraham settled in the land of Canaan while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. He chose to be near the world. Now, Moses records for us here, and we're later going to see in chapters 18 and 19, just how wicked the people of Sodom and and Gomorrah were. But Lot, because he was walking by sight rather than by faith, 
choose to go as close to all of this as he possibly could and yet still maintain his flocks. The city of Sodom was full of idolatry. And the thing that marked the city of Sodom and Gomorrah more than anything, that it was very sexually driven and there was a scintillation, if you will, in those cities and it drew Lot to where he desired to be. We find that one of the things that was foremost prevalent there in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah was that of homosexuality and licentiousness, driven by sexuality. Can I ask you this question? Do you see our culture moving more and more and more to be driven to sexual sensuality? It's hard to watch a commercial today without it being presented to us. And it's kind of like the frog in the kettle, that we will introduce these things in a very subtle way, not overtly, not in your face, so that they might get accustomed to it. And if they get accustomed to it, then they will begin to agree with it and say, well, you know, I don't care what God's Word said. Yeah, that's what God's Word says, but our culture is doing it, so it must be okay. If we're not careful in our Christian life, we'll allow the message of the world to overtly and then later adamantly come against the Word of God. And as my friend Glenn Dyer said to me this week, they have made themselves enemies of God in their actions. And you see, the danger for us in the body of Christ is that we become numb to those things that are very clear in Scripture. And we say, well, you know, maybe it's okay. Maybe I can can accept that. And I might be against it. I might not, but, but it's okay. Can I give you a warning that that is a downward slope and it's a quick, slippery slope in the life of the believer to fall away from all those things which God has commanded in Scripture. And so we see Lot walking by sight and he chooses the land that was as close to the world. Can I say this? That for us as believers, we need to be very careful about who we choose to associate with. Now, I'm not saying that we disassociate ourselves with those who were, as Paul says, the same way that we once were before we came to Christ. My goodness, how else are they going to hear the gospel? So we can't completely withdraw from them, but I say this, that in the case of Lot, we need to be very careful of where and who we associate ourselves with. Young adults, high school students this morning, Let me tell you, you need to be very careful. It's easy to stand when you're in the midst of a student ministry group, but it's very difficult to stand when you get outside of that and have to stand. And if you've said, well, you know, I can associate a little bit with that. Listen, run as far from it as you possibly can. Can I get an amen to that? You see, there are those of us in this room who by God's grace now are saved, but we once walked in that way and many of us fell along that way who were raised in good Christian homes. Can I see a witness by that in the room this morning? 
You see, and it always comes along with that. I can associate with that. Number two is this. Be careful where you choose to spend your time. I think one of the greatest enemies, and I'm not preaching against smartphones this morning, but I think one of the greatest enemies that we face as far as where information is pumped into our brains, this is young people and adults as well, are in those platforms we call social media. It's more like socialist media. (laughs) Be very careful. Somebody once said this to me, garbage in, garbage out, and I think there was true in that. You see, sin always corrupts. Sometimes we live our Christian life trying to figure out how close can I get to the edge of the cliff. This makes some of you nervous, I know. How close can I get to the edge of the cliff without falling off? That's foolish. Because eventually, I'll get carried over the cliff. You see, the life of the believer should be how far. I want to be so removed from that. Because, not so that I can look righteous, not so that I can just say the Christian these things, but because I know that I am a stinking, rotten, dirty sinner, and I can so be driven by the flesh to gratify the desires of the flesh. Can I get a big amen on that? We're not talking legalism here. We're talking safeguard. That we put those boundaries around our lives and around our families. Moms and dads, you have more control over that in your home than anybody else. If your young kid is controlling what comes into that house, you need to step up and be a parent. Amen? Let me get back. I'm going to start preaching Righteousness is not transferable. Righteousness is not transferable. Righteousness only comes through the blood of Jesus where we have placed our faith in that and we have the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in our lives, growing in our lives to cause us to be more set apart unto Him. Number three is this. Lot never stopped to ask God or consider the consequences. Lot only saw the good in his current situation. There's no indication here whatsoever that Lot ever paused and said, God, what would you have me do? He relied on his own sight. He relied on his own desires. Now, knowing the Bible, what would have been the biblical thing for Lot to have suggested to Abraham at this time? Well, actually, cast lots. (laughs) That was kind of the way they settled things, which is a means of calling on the Lord and trusting God in that decision. Lot never called on God and said, God, what would you have me do in this situation? Lot was led by his own desires, his own pride, and his own gratification. It's reminiscent of what John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, where John says this, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from God the Father, but is from the world. See, the question for us, are we living by faith or are we living by sight? Number four is this, Lot lived in the present. 
Lot did not consider the consequences of his decision in the future. And oh, by sight, everything looked good. Everything went well. Have you ever bought something on credit thinking this is good until you start paying the payments? Never considering the consequences, never considering the long term. You see, Lot didn't know what was about to happen in chapter 18 and 19, but you know who knew it was going to happen? And Lot could have stood there if he had inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, no, Lot, you don't want to go near Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm telling you, you don't want to go there. He could have had that dialogue with God. And yet he could have still chosen to walk by sight rather than by faith. Have you ever walked by sight rather than by faith and say, God, I wish I'd listened to that little nudging? Some of you are faced with decisions today. It looks right. It looks like a duck. It walks like a duck. And it quacks like a duck. Therefore, it must be a duck. Now, that works with ducks, but not every decision in life, right? And God will give us guidance if we're willing to walk by faith and believe and trust and wait for him to answer. Let's look at the second. Marks of walking by faith. Six brief things I want to share with you on Abraham because I'm running out of time. Number one is this. I want you to mark this down. Abraham regularly worshiped by God. You want to know how to walk by faith? Regularly have personal times of worship with God. Now, I'm not talking corporate worship. I'm talking our personal quiet time with God. Lot was guided by God. He walked by faith in this, but there's no way for the Christian to walk by faith if they're not in constant communication with God the Father who gives direction in our lives. I go back to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, my life verse. Paul says, therefore, in view of God's mercies, I urge you to live your life as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing. And then in verse 2, paraphrasing, he says this, and then you will know what the will of God is. He says, if we live our lives in a continual laying down our lives, submitting to the Lord, being in communion with Him, which is our reasonable act of of worship, he says, in that we will know the will of God. We often ask the question, how do I know the will of God? My response to that is, how, how, how often are you in personal fellowship with God through His Word and in prayer and knowing who God is and having the Spirit of God reveal Himself to you through that? We see twice in in this chapter, chapter 13, where there's a place there where Abraham had built an altar and he frequently worshiped God. It's so important, y'all, for you and I to live our lives in continual worship of God. Number two is this. He sought to resolve the dispute graciously and equitably. Opposite of what Lot had done, he looked for a way because he was walking by faith, realizing that, God, if, if, if I settle this in this way and I yield to Lot, 
God, odds are, I'm paraphrasing what may have gone through Abraham's mind, odds are here that Lot's going to choose that land, but, but God, I'm going to trust you in this, and God, I don't want any strife between his herdsmen and my herdsmen, and I don't want any strife between he and I. Can I tell you this, that if we're walking by sight rather than by faith, and we come to those impasses with other folks in our lives, believers in our lives, that if we're walking by faith, we will yield so that there might be unity in our relationships and unity in the body of Christ and yield to what we might want to another and say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And we see God was faithful to that kind of attitude in Abraham. Number three is this. Abraham let God lift up his eyes, looking to God rather than his own wisdom. You see, after Lot had separated from him, we see Abraham goes out, and Abraham had no idea that God was going to tell him this. He says, Abraham, stop right there. I want you to take a look, and as far as you can see northward, as far as you can see southward, as far as you can see eastward, and as far as you can see westward, this is what I'm going to give all to you rather than trying to find his own way and his own desires met. He trusted and believed God, and God did abundantly more than what he could have ever asked or imagined. Number four is this. Abraham relinquished his right to make the first choice and handed it over to God. Can I say this? That whenever we relinquish our rights, and we don't like hearing that as Americans, right? We're rights people, and I'm not talking about our constitutional rights. But that bleeds over into who we are as a people, I think. That we all think we have these rights, and doggone it, it's my right. Again, I'm not talking about our Constitution. I'm just saying that that heart of Americans kind of ingrains in us that I have my right. The cross calls you and I as followers to lay down our rights in preference of others. Consider others better than yourselves, the Scriptures say. It, it, it determines in whether or not we walk by faith if we're able to lay down our rights. Because you see, God always honors what is right. What rights are you holding on to this morning? Maybe in your home, maybe in your family, maybe in your job, maybe in your church. What rights are you holding on to? Say, well, you know, I've earned this right. Listen, there's absolutely nothing that we have earned. It's all by God's grace and by God's merit and his favor. Number five is this. Abraham lived obediently. Y'all, it takes faith to live a life of faith. (laughs) Amen? It takes faith. To say, God, well, the the way that I see it, this would be a better way to do it. That wrestling point is where we find ourselves in that, right? 
But God, I'm going to trust you. That's not easy, is it? God, it seems right to me to do it this way. God, those are the principles I, I learned in school. God, God, that, that's the way everybody else is doing it. The market's great. <laughs> but God, I'm going to trust you. I remember years ago making a real estate decision. Built some duplexes. Right motives. Looking at retirement. Great location, a college that's right there. They called it Duplex City in Milledgeville. Went to council with some other men, said, hey, man, real estate is always a good bet. Took retirement fund money. I'm sharing more than I should share right now. And looked at everything and said, you know, it just looks right. I'm admitting this to my wife in front of everybody. I had this uneasy sense. Everybody's telling me, listen, real estate will always be good. All right, I'm going to go for it. Little did I know that Georgia College would build own house, campus, housing, and duplex city, which was full of college students, would all of a sudden become vacant and turn into crack city. I lacked faith to hear what God was speaking because everything else looked right with it. Somebody else ever made, I don't want to be the only knucklehead in here, Harold, thank you. I know you've made those kind of mistakes. <laughs> God's given us principles in His Word. We have the Holy Spirit who speaks to our heart through His Word and can give us that sense of knowing this is God's way or it's not God's way. Listen to it. Now, we're going to see in Abraham's life, Abraham's walking by faith here. We know in chapter 12, he exactly didn't walk by faith. And we're going to see he does a couple of boneheaded things later. Abraham's not perfect. He's just like you and I, learning to grow in walking by faith rather than by sight. But as Paul says, it was written so that we might learn from them. Number six is this. Abraham relied on God, not himself. Revealing in rescuing Lot. I don't have time to go in that one. We'll look at here. Let me conclude with this. How can you and I grow in walking by faith? It's not something that comes natural to us. But God wants us to grow in our dependency and our trust in Him and walking by faith. Number one is this that we maintain a regular personal worship time with God. Y'all, there has to be a time that in our lives we carve out preferably every day. But there has to be that time in our lives where we pull away. We leave the phone in another room. We're not in front of the computer. We've got the Word of God. 
And we ask God, God, Holy Spirit, would you speak to my heart today, God, so that I might know you as you've revealed yourself to me and through the Scriptures. God, that I might know you. And God, that you'd change me through your Word. That's number one. Number two is we've got to congregate with fellow believers. God has so designed it in the body of Christ that we are with one another, that we make it. One of the things that COVID taught us, I've heard it so many times, I'm so glad to be back with the body. But if history proves anything, in six months we won't feel the same way, right? It's so necessary for me and for you to be in regular fellowship. That's why we emphasize our small groups. That's why we emphasize our corporate prayer, our corporate worship, our discipling relationships where we meet in discipleship. Number three is this. We have to live the dead life. i got to remind myself every day. I've been crucified with Christ Therefore, I no longer live. But the life that I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. Because if not, J-Mo wants to get on the throne of his heart every day and be in control. We've got to acknowledge, live the dead life. Lastly, be obedient to what we do know to be the will of God. Father, we pray this morning, God. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.